Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Um, so, okay, raise your hand if I know you, or at least you're like, you look vaguely familiar. Wow, so a lot of you. Okay, there's, there's, there's hands that are going up like this. So that should tell you, like, I guess I kind of know this guy. I'm a little embarrassed to know this guy, but hey, I feel like I'm cool. At least my three-year-old daughter says I'm cool, all right, because I sing Moana with her whenever she asks, all right? So if you've got your Bibles, um, we're going to open up to Mark chapter 1, and uh, I want to, well, I'll say this too about myself. Um, if you guys know uh, Kyle Cohen, do you guys know that guy, that, that clown that's here? Yeah, he's around. So... I'm also Kyle's brother-in-law, as well as Jacob Simpson's brother-in-law, and so there's another connection for you, and so afterwards, if you're kind of like, hey, this guy, just talk to them. It's their fault that I am the way that I am. So Mark chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 14 and 15, and I'm just going to toss it out there. Uh, How many of y'all are like, well, I should say this. Most teenagers your age don't sit down and watch like the daily news, do you? Does anybody actually sit and watch the news? Wow, okay, that's actually like six more hands than I was expecting. So let me ask you this, and I'm looking for some feedback here. Who, where do you get your news from? Fox News. Where else? Parents. Where else? Instagram. New York Times. Snapchat. Does anybody actually like subscribe to a newspaper anymore? Like, does a newspaper physically come to your house anymore? We got, we got, we have reluctant hands. It's okay. It's not your fault. It's probably for your parents. You can be like, yeah, my dad reads it every day. So here's the thing about the news, especially now. Wouldn't you agree that the news isn't always pleasant? I didn't, I never liked watching the news with my parents, because again, back, I was, I was born in the 90s, like 91, so I'm like a true 90s kid, and so I, I grew up in an age where everyone sat and watched the news, and in fact, I was kind of like, well, maybe there's something in this whole news thing. Every time that I sat and watched the news with my parents, you know what I walked away with? Depression. Every single night, he was like, hey, I'm ready to hear some story about an awesome panda that was born in the zoo. And they're like, 40 people died. And you're like, awesome, I'm gonna go cry. Like, it's just, it's horrible. And today's news is not any better. In fact, now you have not just bad news, but now you got fake news. So now you're going, what do I even, what do I even? What do I believe? How do I believe? Is it the, is anyone have anything good to say? And then when they say, yeah, I've got something good to say, everyone perks their ears up. Like, finally, some good news. And we hear, oh, good news, like, sports are back. Praise Jesus. Sports are back. You're like, yes. I told, according to Warren Jones, I was going to make a lot of sports references, so this is just for her. Right? Like, we, we hear some good news. We're like, awesome. Thank you so much. But let me ask you this. Has good news ever changed the way you view, like, the universe? Like when you, like when you get a, like something in your Twitter feed or Instagram feed or Snapchat feed or I mean like you see a video on TikTok, whatever it is, you're just like, like you're stunned because the news that you're receiving, you're like, I, there's no words to capture the paradigm shift that has just been sent out. 
Maybe this one would be one. Maybe you get a feed or a, you know, a post that comes through your Instagram feed and it says this. It says that the United States has turned away from democracy. That actually now we're instituting an empire and the current president, who will remain nameless, the current president is now going to be the empire for the foreseeable future. Star Wars, thank you. That was for my nerd friends. Thank you, yeah. Right, like all of a sudden it was just like, it's dead. You just see this feed, it's like it's happened. What would you do? What would you do? For some, it might be really good news. For others, not so much. But here's the thing about news in our day and age. News travels quickly. And in fact, in the ancient world, news traveled quickly as well. Only news traveled at the speed in which people could carry it with their words and carry it with their feet. And so a lot of times what you had happen is if there were emperors or there were battles going on, wars that were going on, there would be a gospel that was sent out. So say, for example, the, king or the emperor would go and they win a battle. Well, that was good news for the empire, right? Because they won a battle. So they would send out a gospel messenger saying that a battle has been won. They're sharing, the Greek word is euangelion. It's a fun word, everyone say it with me, euangelion. Euangelion. It's a Greek term meaning good news. So they would proclaim a euangelion to those that were listening. And a lot of times, a gospel, like that euangelion gets translated into gospel for us. A lot of times a gospel was actually a change in power, a change from one emperor to another or one king to another. A gospel was good news because there was a change in government, a change in structure. We don't use the term gospel much anymore, but how many of you are familiar with the term gospel? Like when I say gospel, I'm curious, what's the first thing you think of? Jesus. What else? The Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels. Very good. So interesting. When you hear the word gospel, you think Song of Solomon. We're going to talk after this, my friend. This is, I like this. A fellow Bible nerd. I like this. All right. So, hey, here's the reality of it. Here's the reality of it. A lot of times in our world today, we look at the gospel as we actually see it as religious fulfillment. That we actually say, well, here's my life on this side. This is where I'm going. This is my journey. I'm, I'm living my best life now, right? It's my life. And then we go, you know, I want my life to be better. So we go, my life plus religion then equals a better life, right? So if I'm going down this way and I don't like what's happening, then I'll go, okay, hold on. I just... I just need to like sprinkle in and just add a little religion or add a little church or add a little youth group or add a little Jesus even. And I, I'm gonna combine this with my life because I just I want a better life. And a lot of times what we don't realize is that is the state for so many of our Christian brothers and sisters is they're going, this is my life and I just want a better one. So Jesus, I'm just, can we just like hang out? You're like a pretty cool dude from what this, what this book tells me. Like, you're a pretty cool dude. I, I, I want to, like, be close to you. But remember, it's still my life. Remember that what I do, I, I'm still, I still got dreams. I still got plans, yo. Like, we can hang out. We can chill. But let's be real. 
at any moment, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do this if I'm gonna head down that road. That is how so many of us approach Jesus. And for a lot of us Jesus followers, when we, heard, when we hear the term gospel, when we hear this idea of good news, I'm wondering if this sounds familiar. Now don't get nervous when I say this next part. When we think of the gospel, we think of, okay, Jesus came, right? He did some crazy miracles, he did some crazy stuff. He was sent to the cross, he died for my sins so that I can go to heaven. And then he rose again, because now we're like, yeah, Jesus, he didn't stay dead. Woo, we get pumped about that. But really, it's he came, he died, so now I can go to heaven. I think a lot of times when we hear the term gospel, that's where like, we're like, yeah, that's, that's the gospel. I want to I twist that thinking just a little bit. You're not wrong in that that's good news. Okay, let's just start there. You're not wrong. But I think we're missing the gospel. I am super passionate about the gospel, and hopefully you're going to hear that tonight. I am very passionate about the gospel. My students, actually, I'm a uh, community pastor, which means I oversee a lot of different aspects over at Summit View Church in Hawkinson and Westside. We have a uh, campus out in Battleground, and uh, I get the pleasure of serving on the west side as the community pastor, and so I oversee our youth ministries, and I tell uh, my students all the time, actually, my students tell me this all the time, uh, Ken, you talk a lot about the gospel, and so they'll literally have notepads with the word gospel at the top, and they'll just keep a tally of how many times I say it <laughs> in a given week. And I'm not kidding you. I haven't even preached this message to them, and I've gotten up to like 25, 26 times saying the term gospel in a message. I'm very passionate about the gospel, and here's why. Because I always had issue with passages like Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. Let me read this for you, and then let me explain to you why I had an issue with it. So it says this, now after John, this is John the Baptist, was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. So proclaiming the good news of God. What's he proclaiming? Saying that the time is fulfilled, okay, what just happened before that? This is where good Bible reading, you know, this is, this is important for us. So Jesus just defeated the devil in the desert, okay? He, he did what Adam did not do. He conquered where Adam failed. So he comes out of there and says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, so repent and believe in the gospel. So let's just break this down. If our understanding of the gospel is, well, he came, check, he died, uh oh, has he died yet? No, he's proclaiming the gospel. Uh oh, so he came, good, well, he died, well, no, he didn't, and so I'm still not, uh-oh, and then he didn't raise from the dead yet because he didn't die yet, and so, uh-oh, pretty soon, our understanding of the gospel gets threatened in the very first 14 verses of Mark, the gospel account of Mark. So here's why I have an issue with that. Because when we make the gospel about Jesus did all this stuff so that I, I, I think that's our problem. We've got really comfortable at making Jesus' story about us. Jesus' story, our story. We say, yeah, he did all these things and he's amazing. Why? Because look what he did for me. And then we forget actually what, what did Jesus actually do. Now again, we get benefits, thank you Jesus. We get benefits of the gospel, but the gospel is not about me. It's not the gospel of Kenan. 
It's not the gospel of Courtney or the gospel of Sam. It's not, it's not the gospel of us. It's the gospel of Jesus. And this always bothered me as a young Christian. I grew up in church. My dad is a pastor to this day. So I grew up hearing passages like John 3.16. You know the one that Tim Tebow wrote? Yeah, that, that, that one. Right, like I remember hearing John three sixteen, and I was like, boom. In fact, that was the verse that I presented to my second grade class. It was the first time I ever did it for show and tell. I brought my purple study Bible. Yeah, I was rocking that purple study Bible, y'all. I came in, and this thing was like flopping all over the place, and I was like, John three sixteen, for God so loved. I mean, zero eye contact. It was rough message, yo. But all I did, well, I was just like, I'm just gonna read this verse, and God, you do your thing. And I was so blown away when I actually had peers of mine in the second grade go, well, I want to follow Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? For show and tell? Yes. So I did it third grade. I did it fourth grade. And I did it fifth grade. The only problem was at fifth grade when I did it, my teacher was a little smarter. And so he's like, yo, 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 we can't, no, 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 we can't do that here, we can't proclaim that from here. And I was like, oh, yes, we can. And so I came back the next week, I picked a different verse, and I told my teacher, I said, hey, you need to hear the gospel, because in my head, I'm like, if he dives into the gospel, then everyone else has to follow Jesus. So I'm like, I'm going to the source. Like, this guy is not gonna stop the good news of Jesus, and it didn't work. But hey, I gave him my best shot. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, like when, you, when we grasp the gospel as more than just Jesus died for me and so I can go to heaven because it's all about me, and we take a step back and realize, well, what did Jesus actually do? How can he proclaim a gospel when he hasn't done anything yet? No miracle's been committed yet. He hasn't turned water into wine. He hasn't walked on water. He hasn't healed anybody. Nothing has happened, and yet he's like, the gospel is here, repent and believe. Remember when I told you that in Roman culture, a gospel a lot of times was the change of government? Remember that? So for Jesus, especially for Mark, to write down the account of the gospel according to Mark, because we have to understand these are four books that are proclaiming one gospel. It's not four different gospels. Okay, I just want to clear that up. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four gospel accounts of the gospel of Jesus. It's all the gospel of Jesus. So what is the gospel of Jesus? Well, simply put, in the words of Kanye West, Jesus is king. That's the gospel. There's been a change in government. There's been a change in the very structure and the very fabric of the universe. It has changed because Jesus, God incarnate, has stepped onto the playing field. And so what he does is he actually is moving the kingdom outwards as he does miracles, as he heals people. So the kingdom of God is now here, it's at hand, and he says, now we're gonna go spread it. Now we're gonna go spread it. In fact, here's what I love about Jesus is he defeats the devil in, in the desert, kicks him in the teeth, sends him running like a scared puppy with his tail between his legs, and then he comes back out just ready to throw down with all that Satan has laid waste to the perfect creation that he made. Think of that. 
Jesus made it. He's looking out and saying, Satan, I'm done. (laughs) This is mine and I am reclaiming this now. And praise God that that's what he did. Praise God. Because it's Jesus' job first to proclaim and spread the good news of the gospel. And after his resurrection, what did he tell his disciples to do? Go. Go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them all that I've commanded you to do. Go spread the kingdom. Go show people that things are different. Go show people that as the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us that we are actually changed. The problem with that in our current culture is that when we read passages like John 3.16, is it's this, forever who would believe. We interpret that as, well, if I just like believe hard enough, if I just grunt my faith out hard enough, I'm gonna have eternal life. Sweet. But then what happens? Then we struggle every single day of our lives because we're like, I, I believe, but yet I'm not like, living the way. And so then we read, we read this book as more of a moral handbook then because we're desperate. We're like, well, well God, I, I believe, but oh no, I'm, I'm, like, I'm still sinning. I'm still not like, oh no. It becomes a panic mode. And people spend their entire lives looking at this book as a moral handbook to which it is not. Friends, it is not a moral handbook. It is not something that we read and we go, okay, God, what are you going to say about me? How am I supposed to live? If you approach the Bible like that, we're going to miss so much, friends. Instead of approaching it and saying, okay, God, what did you do? What, what is your word saying about you that then now, because I'm learning about you, I actually have a different perspective on the universe, like literally the cosmos around me. Life is different because I'm focused on you, and as I'm focused on you, I actually am beginning to, as, through belief, because I believe you're real, I believe there is a mental ascent, and you're like, okay, yeah, I, I believe these things, I'm focused on you, My life is actually kind of naturally changing toward the ways of your kingdom. If you want to know the ways of the kingdom, read the Sermon on the Mountain in the Gospel account of Matthew. Here's my favorite thing. When you get to the end of the Sermon on the Mountain where Jesus is like, look, this is what it looks like to live as the kingdom. You read that and you're like, (laughs) I can't do that. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Like Like if I hate my brother, I might as well kill him. Because it's the same thing in your book. Like if I looked at someone with lustful eyes, I, like, I'm committing adultery? Are you kidding me? And Jesus is like, yeah. That's what it means to live as a part of my kingdom. You must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And Jesus uses those words very carefully because he's getting you to the point of saying, well, I can't do that. He goes, exactly. I know. Because see, friends, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we spend so much time building our own little kingdoms. We spend like our entire lives 
building our own slice of heaven, our own kingdom. You know what that's called? Pride. Friends, we are ruled by pride. And I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be real vulnerable with y'all. I didn't even know I had a pride problem until about a month ago. I didn't even know that the way I was living my life was so wrapped up in my way of looking at things and my way of wanting to see things done that I was just like, yeah, this is just life. I'm still focused on Jesus, but really at the end of the day, it was how do I really glorify myself? I wanna make sure that I'm comfortable. I wanna make sure that I still am able to get the things that I wanna have and this, not whatever. No, friends, that is pride. And the horrible, horrible, horrible thing about pride and sin in general is that it blinds. It blinds. In fact, Philippians chapter three, Paul addresses this idea when he says, you know, well, he says this in verse 17. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keeping your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Hello, our culture. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, meaning that they just live off of urges. Whatever they feel in the moment, they just do. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. They were posting all over Instagram. They were sending Snapchat stories like there was no tomorrow of all of what they were getting themselves into. All their shame, they were just like, check it out. This is my kingdom and I'm gonna enjoy it. And with their minds that were set on earthly things. But our citizenship, everyone say citizenship. Oh, come on, say it like you're actually citizens youth group. You see how I'm doing this here? Okay, it's, it's, a, it's you guys are citizens and I'm, we're talking about citizenship. So uh, citizenship, there we go, is in where? Heaven. And from it, we await a savior. The Lord, mark that word the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body into be like his glorious body, and by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. You see that a lot in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ. What is a Lord? A king? I'm not making this up. This is in our Bibles, and it's been in our Bibles since the day it was written. Jesus is king. And so I want to go back now to Mark chapter 1. I'm going to wrap up on this thought. I'm going to wrap up on this thought a little bit. Because see, Mark chapter 1, what does Jesus say? He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So what's the response? The response is repentance. The response is, I'm going this way. I'm dabbling Jesus with my life. It's about me and what I want and my goals and everything else. It's all going this way. And I'm going to dabble Jesus in. It's kind of this magic genie who's eventually going to just give me a better life because that's how life works. Okay, first of all, no, it's not how life works. But we lie to ourselves and say that's how life works. Instead of, you know John 3, 16? We all know that verse, right? For crying out loud, Tim Tebow wrote it. We all know Tim Tebow. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should, what? Believe. believe. That word believe is a Greek word called pistis or pistios, however you want to say that. 
There's a couple different forms. It's a nuanced Greek word. It's a loaded word. It's where we get faith, trust. When you see these words, believe, these words in scripture, we see faith, trust, believe. It's all the same word. But here's what it can also mean. It can also mean loyalty or my favorite. This has just become like my favorite word. I've, I've held off using it until now, but it's my most favorite word on the planet. Allegiance. We're talking allegiance to King Jesus. So now let's, let's hear that verse again, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should pledge allegiance to him should have eternal life. Now all of a sudden, this whole like sprinkling Jesus business, that doesn't even enter my mind. Where I go, hold on, no, no, no. Pledging allegiance is like a full on <laughs> turn everything toward, right? How do y'all know who's like a baseball fan? There you go, there you go. How do you know? Look at them, they're all like wearing hats back there. <laughs> like, what do you do? You dress like a baseball player, right? You wear baseball jerseys. Like, how many y'all like soccer? Okay, I, I tried. I, I'm not a huge soccer fan, but I, I tried, y'all. I'm reaching out to you. Right? But you're like, you're like, yeah, we wear these crazy scarf things, and we yell a lot. Like, I don't know what y'all do for soccer, but like, man, like, I tell you what, you know, I, I lived in Canada for about four years. You know when hockey season rolls around, because everybody up there grows the flow. It's not long hair, y'all. It's flow, and you don't mess with someone's flow during hockey season. But you know why? Because they are so bought in to the sport. They're so bought into the team. You would never, oh, never go to Boston, Massachusetts and wear a Yankees uniform. Unless you want to get capped in the knees. Like, I mean, that's your funeral. I'm, I'm telling you against that. Even if you only like the Red Sox, just wear Red Sox stuff everywhere. And you'll be safe. In fact, people will probably give you like a free Uber. I don't know. Give it a try. But when we talk about pledging allegiance, we understand this when we pledge allegiance, what? To the United States of America. And to the stands, right? We know this, right? We don't wear Canadian stuff on the 4th of July unless you're Courtney, who we love so incredibly much. We just, I can't help but just wonder what was the thought process. But hey, we love you, Court. You're an amazing sister in Christ. I'm, it's from here. It's from here, Court. But we don't do that. <laughs> Why? Because we're like, we're American. Yeah, all right. You know, trucks and stuff, right? I don't know. Like, we just assume America is just like, yeah, all right. And then I'm sorry, ladies, because then you're like, well, I like America too. And, it's, and we're like, no, trucks. And you're like, ugh. Americans. And I love when I lived up in Canada because everyone was like, oh, do y'all like talk like this? And I'm like, well, I kind of do, but I'm from the Northwest and even I don't make sense there. So I don't know. I don't know what y'all are looking for. But see, friends, we get this idea of allegiance. And I'm gonna have the worship team come on up. I'm gonna close with this idea. Come on up, guys. I'm gonna close on this idea because see, we... We understand this all-in mentality for things of this world. But I'm gonna challenge you with something, now knowing that the gospel of Jesus is what? Jesus is king. That's the gospel. If, everyone, if anyone ever asks you, like, wait, what's the gospel? Jesus 
is king. He is Lord of heaven and earth. He's the cosmic king. All things have been set at his feet. He rules over it all. And see, friends, when we submit under King Jesus and we pledge allegiance to him, that means something. You know what that means? That means that we don't live the way the, like the world lives. We are different because we're pledging allegiance to something other than ourselves, other than the world, other than these people we want to follow. We're not, I mean, like, trust me, I have grown to love working out. And so one of my like guys who I would like, I mean, if he walked through this door, I'd probably faint. Y'all would have to pick me up, probably send me to the hospital because I'd fall a great death. Would be like, if Dwayne Johnson rock, walked in this room, I'd be like, Boo! like my voice, y'all, like I'd be like, I'd be like a 10 year old girl at a Justin Bieber concert. Like it would be nuts. And see, we, we, we love people and we want to follow them and we're like, yeah, man, I, whatever, wherever we are pledging ourselves to, because we're like, oh man, like I love these people and I want to imitate them. I, I want to live like them. I, I want what they have, right? We, we begin to follow even indirectly, but when we pledge allegiance to Jesus, it's only Jesus that we follow. Do we get that? Because if we get that, then we shouldn't, I mean, then we should expect that people are gonna make fun of us. We should expect it that when we go to school and we live differently, people are gonna be like, man, what is with this? What? They're crazy. Yeah, we are. Because we've decided to pledge allegiance to a king instead of believing the lie of pride that says, man, I get to build my own kingdom and I get to make it what it is. If you ever wanna be knocked off that peg, read the book of Ecclesiastes. For all is vanity, especially chapters 10 and 11. Basically, we're all gonna die. Get used to it. You can fight it as much as you want. You can put on as much makeup as you want. You can work out as much as you want. You can run 40 miles every single day. I don't care. You're gonna hit the dirt. And we don't like that. I can just feel the tension building. As soon as, it's like, ah, no, 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 no. Like we were with you all the way with this gospel thing, but now we don't like that. You guys are doing baptisms. Coming up, right? I'm not gonna, I'm trying to figure out, I don't wanna ask a question because I don't wanna out anybody. Maybe I'll just ask this, who, who here has been baptized? Praise God. Praise God. Because I don't know if baptism was ever explained to you in this way, but this is what I'm closing with because I think this is so significant in relation to what is the gospel <laughs> The gospel, again, is Jesus is what? Jesus is what? Yeah. One more time. Jesus is what? Yeah. Okay, so in first century, especially Roman culture, you know what people did to pledge allegiance to the emperor, to Caesar? They would do rituals to prove their allegiance to Caesar. And there were a whole bunch of them. In fact, some of them were dunking themselves in water. Some of them was walking across like fire coals and stuff. Some of them were going into battle for Caesar. Like there were these things that you could do to pledge allegiance to the emperor. And so then John the Baptist comes on the scene. He's like, hey, I have an idea. I'm preparing the way for the Messiah, 
we should start pledging allegiance to the true king because he's coming. And that's what baptism is. Baptism is a public declaration of I pledge allegiance to King Jesus. So friends, if, you have, if, you're, if you're following after Jesus or if you're curious about Jesus or you're like, man, I, I really do wanna submit my life to Jesus, this is not step number four. Let me be really clear. Hear me. This is not step number four. This is step number one. Allegiance to Jesus starts after baptism. Biblically, that was one of the first things that you did. It was, it was literally like, oh, you believe in Jesus? Let's get you in the water. So if you're even like hinging, I would encourage you to sign up. I would encourage you to sign up. Hear more about it. Because when we pledge ourselves to King Jesus, guess what is awarded to us? A king who loves us, who knew us before the foundation of the world, forgiveness and redemption, never, ever, ever ending love, mercies that are new every single day, the opportunity to wake up and be actually a new creation that you can look back yesterday and say, that was the old me, today, I'm a new creation. And in Christ, I walk this way as I have pledged my allegiance to him. I'm walking out the kingdom today and I'm taking the kingdom with me. And as I take the kingdom with me, people are going to notice and people are gonna be different because I'm walking in the way of the king. That should be our mentality. That should be our mentality every single day. So yes, because Jesus is king, we are awarded so much. And for that, we never cease to give praise to God for. Let me pray for us. Worship team is gonna lead us. Again, I would encourage you to sign up for baptism if you have not. Let me pray over my fellow brothers and sisters and those in this room who maybe don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I wanna pray specifically for you tonight as well. So let's, let's bow and just spend some time in prayer. Again, crazy to think that we're literally talking to the king of the cosmos as we enter into prayer. That just blows our mind. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we get to call you Father, that you call us child, that you call us love, that you call us so many things. I got all the way back in the garden. It's recorded for us in Genesis 1 that what you created was perfect. Humanity that you created was perfect. Death was not in the equation. Sickness and pain was not part of the equation. And yet we chose pride. We chose selfishness. We said, no, no, I, I think I want to do it my way. And God, ever since then, we've been paying for that. But Jesus, when you stepped on the scene, you gave us the way, not in of ourselves, not in a way that we can earn it, not in a way that you say, do this and that and this and that, and then maybe sort of, kind of, you'll get there. It was, follow me, for I have established the kingdom of God, and this is what it looks like to live as a kingdom-minded person. Follow me, and I will make you righteous. 
Jesus, I pray for those. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would descend in this building. We know that you are here. I want us to recognize your presence here. May you be moving in the hearts of all of us. When we consider taking the first step of allegiance toward you, God, I know there's people in this room who are wrestling with being up in front of people and declaring their faith and like, I don't know how this works. I'm, I'm nervous. I don't like talking in front of people. What I, I'm not gonna do baptism. God, press into their heart that it's not about them. It's not about speaking. It's about I am declaring allegiance to King Jesus and therefore my life will be different. Father, forgive us for when we choose the way of the world. Forgive us for when we choose our own way. I pray that we would be like Paul when we see brothers and sisters, when we see them falling and walking away. May it not be nose up, forget them, but may it be tears and brokenness and compassion saying, no, Jesus still loves you. Jesus still reigns. Come back. May our heart break for the lost. And all of that is wrapped up in your gospel because you, Jesus, are king. May our faith, may our belief be not that of just mental assent, but may it be that of action. Jesus, help us in this time of just repentance, Move our hearts toward you. It's your name we pray.